welcome to a new episode of Dev Sigup Talks with me, Matthias. Andre. And Julia. Woohoo! Great awful. energy, guys. Three times to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have time. We are working on an energetic introduction. Yeah. And today's uh, topic is uh, the evolution of CICD, right? Or, yeah. Right. Right, or the movies. Yeah. Everybody so, hates Jenkins, yeah. Yeah, everybody. Andre. <laughs> okay, Andre, you have something for us. Tell us. Yeah, exactly. So we actually spoke about that maybe a year or in the last year, about the Jenkins is not so bad. But even in my world of Jenkins is not so bad, there are changes. And I'm spending increasing increasing amount of time with uh, GitHub Actions. Well, I, I, I had my outings with GitLab CI. But now I do spend a lot of time with GitHub Actions. Okay. And, and, and uh, yeah, yeah. it's like, we have to see, there are two different things. Like GitLab is the, Git, it's sort of GitHub, but you run it locally on your own hardware, right? You and Git do that. They also have yeah. managed versions, so you oh, okay. have a managed CI as well. Yeah, but you need, yeah. And then you have a GitHub, which is the, the big one. And we're talking yeah. about GitHub Actions tonight, right? GitHub Actions. Yes. yes. Cool. Uh, and uh, actually, back in 2018, I did a talk uh, about the evolution of pipeline, or like the pipelines and ideas behind pipelines. How I could say today it will be a part two of that talk, but I will quote from it a little bit because there were things before we had Jenkins, yeah. like uh, was a. Uh, Build, uh, what was it? Cruise control. If you see in that, cruise control. Yeah, yeah. You can Google go Google build system cruise control, and then you will don't think that Jenkins looks too bad. I mean, there were things before <laughs> it, and uh, when Jenkins just got started, like back, you think, two thousand eight, nine, right? Like those those days. Uh, it basically had uh, the cron jobs, if you like. So there was no triggers. Yeah. You would do the okay. jobs. Then another innovation that came out of it is that you could trigger jobs one after another. So yeah. you could change jobs. And you had, uh, uh, I think it was down <laughs> downstream plugin that allowed, the, so, so, you would down, uh, so you could uh, trigger the jobs downstream and then you can join them. So you could actually build uh, some kind of pipeline with multiple branches and join them together. You would have to pass the variables between jobs. That was very complex. And you had a job DSL plugin that allowed you to describe configuration as code. And then around, I think, 2011, 2012, you started to have other competitors popping up and, well, like first managed systems was Travis CI, Circle CI, and I think it's Drone CI. I'm looking at logo in my old slides. And uh, yeah, so the biggest difference, there were people trying to build a business around CI systems. Uh, you had no server configuration because it's a managed solution. But what they had different is that they had declarative pipelines. So in Jenkins... You would uh, you could do quite a bit because you had access to GVM. You could do it in Groovy. You could, do... I mean, 
you, you could write anything basically. And I've seen people creating the quite interesting setups, I would say. Yeah. Wasn't that like one of, I think, issues with Jenkins? Because you could, you just could do anything, you just write anything into the Groovy or DSL, and then you couldn't really control it, right? Or it was so yeah. free. So, and then another, another innovation, if you like, that came around that time was present at Jenkins, but it was the idea of webhooks and triggers from UCI. Because before that, yeah. you would pull uh, your, your version control system. You would pull your version control system to see if there are changes. And then if there are changes, you, you would build. Here, you could actually use webhooks. So they were mostly working with GitHub. Uh, and uh, GitHub would tell you, like, okay, I have something to build, build it now. So yeah. we are moving eventually from Chrome-based job to the event triggered job, and then the jobs being piped together into the line, or you could have a branches in there. Yeah. Then another innovation that we had around that time that came together with Travis CI and Circle CI is that you would store your pipeline definition written in YAML being declarative together with your source code. Yes. So this is where you start to put your pipelines to your source repository together with the project you are building. Before mm. that, like in Jenkins days, you would configure that separately. You would have maybe a repository with your job DSL specs and you would generate all pipelines from there. So yeah. the source code and the pipelines weren't really connected. The Jenkins community and CloudBeast, the company behind Jenkins, came up with their own thing later in, a, in just in a few years in 2014 they announced the jenkins file which basically took all the learnings from other system and uh, brought that to jenkins and but that was different so it was imperative he was writing that in groovy they had their own declarative dsl but you can always jump over it and do stuff imperatively in groovy well, it was resumable. It was like a paints with a plugin support and everything. So it was more like add-on on top of Jenkins. And they did struggle to uh, get everyone onto the train. Uh, then we also had uh, GitLab CI starting. I don't remember when they popped up, but the basically idea of the company was initially we just do whatever GitHub does. We copy it and we let you run it on uh, your own server. So that was a big proposition from them. And GitHub Enterprise was always very pricey offering. So there was no, there was no good solution, except I think maybe get it back in the days, to have your own uh, Git hosting that would be comparable with GitHub. And get it wasn't comparable with the GitHub. It was the thing on its own. It still is. But uh, it was far away from the GitHub. And also GitLab uh, innovated in many ways that was eventually brought into GitHub because they, they had an idea that you could do CI/CD together with your source code. They had uh, projects hosting there. And eventually the GitHub picked it up. And that ah, brings so us to the GitHub Actions because yeah. that was a response of GitHub to the GitLab CI. Yes, of course, GitLab started that. So you can add like your YAML file with your code, right? And then you create the, uh, the pipelines for uh, your project. 
and GitHub had it, didn't have this in the beginning. It, it was oh no, they didn't have any kind of CI, so they were no, relying on side to... partners. And GitHub Actions is a rather new thing. I think they announced that in twenty twenty ish. So it's yeah. rather rather new project. Uh, and but... what's interesting actually now, a lot of people jumped to the GitLab and. Because it's open source, you can run it yeah. on your own, but it's a pain in the back and you have to patch it. You don't have to expose it to the internet. We actually had customers who were doing that. They got hacked. There were like crypto mining activities on their GitLab server because they never updated. You could use hosted uh, GitLab. And yeah. uh, hosted offering from GitLab used to be very generous. I think they didn't charge you for the private projects. They didn't charge you for the users. So you could go quite far with the yeah. GitLab pre-account. Actually, uh, could... uh, we have one uh, at Bulib using GitLab, and we're paying a, a, like a provider that hosts mm. GitLab for us. I think it's also Amazon, but, but they take care of like... Okay. Take, and, and, it's, and it's public, so you need to breaking an NDA there. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and it's public, so you need to 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 patch it, or they yeah. need to patch it because it's it's kind of a lot of uh, exports coming out to GitLab. So you need to to check them. Yeah, but what yeah. what interesting is that eventually GitLab became a public tra- publicly traded company, and you uh-huh. know what publicly trading company do. Like uh, they squeeze, HashiCorp. Yeah. like Hashicorp, they squeeze their customers, and this is exactly what GitLab started to do. So, actually, today, the GitHub is cheaper than GitLab. You can do more for free on a GitHub than on a GitLab because they actually started to squeeze their managed offerings. They need to show profit, uh, profits yeah. and. I've seen people trying to reduce number of users and doing other crazy yeah. stuff. Anyhow, oh, yeah. that's not the point. Yeah. Uh, and the point is GitLab actions and why I think it's worth talking about them is that there are three key innovations that they have comparing to other systems. So they, they're latecomers, so they started this game later. Yeah. They had an opportunity to see what other people do wrong, where they struggle, and rethink it, how to do it uh, differently. And I think one of the biggest difference that you have with GitHub Actions, again, hosted as many others, you have your CI file in a repository as many others, using YAML for the pipeline definition, as many others, so nothing new here. But there is one crucial difference, is the fact that with GitHub Actions, they are looking not at the file, but they're looking at the directory. So with Jenkins, you have a Jenkins file. And then you have one pipeline with that Jenkins file, and you could try to do more, but that will be hacky hack. GitLab, you have your GitLab-ci.yaml yeah. file. Yeah. You have one pipeline there. You cannot yeah. have two files. As far as I'm aware, I might be wrong, but as far as I'm aware, by default, you cannot have two GitLab-ci files in the repository. It's expected to have one. Simple yeah. CI is the same. Like All of them operate with one file, so... 
what GitHub Actions did is they look at the repository and they would load all files from that directory. And if you have multiple pipelines there, then you could actually have multiple pipelines running for the same repository. <laughs> now you should ask yourself why one would want to do that. Like, what is the use case for this? What was wrong with one file? Well, for the well, first... <laughs> Jordan? Sorry, you you probably need to have more than one. Basically, you can do mono repositories. Yeah. for me. So you can have multiple ah, pipelines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the supported cases, I think. I'm just speculating yeah. here. I don't think you should be doing that, but I'm saying that like you could have a pipeline per part of your repository that will be triggered. Another thing that you could do, like imagine you have a pipeline that you want to be triggered by a SCM event, wherever there is a new Git commit, but yeah. you might want to rerun it periodically as well. Then you will have, then you would need to run it on Chrome. And yeah. then you would need to, you know, write a lot of conditions. If it's a SCM event, then do this. If it's Chrome, then do that. Yeah. Then imagine you have, in your organization, you use multiple programming languages. So for instance, you're using Rust and you're using JavaScript. Yeah. Right? And uh, But deployment is kind of the same for both. So you would do Docker and then you would run whatever you have to talk to your application compute platform and put it there. So it might be your cloud API, it might be Terraform, what have you. So you would have those two steps, the same for all pipelines, but the pipelines would be different because you would run tests differently. You might do like the linting differently. So what you could do now is you could have one pipeline definition for just Docker and deployment, and then have a second pipeline that will be language specific. Yeah. yeah. And then you drop those two files to the repository, and then what Git, uh, Git Hub actions do, they see each job within the pipeline as a check, which means that you can run multiple pipelines in parallel, but then you can set enforcement rules that you only allow the pull request to be merged if the all checks are, uh, are uh, passing, which means that you can parallel a lot of stuff yeah. easily. Each pipeline will have a very simple logic. Don't need to have those crazy if, then, if it's this, if it's that. And you can have much simpler pipelines. But I think that's a big deal. And yeah. you could actually use it in many ways. I'm just giving you two possible options that I hmm. observed being useful like immediately, but I'm pretty sure that you could have more for that. Like for instance, people would have the CI CD pipeline and then they will have a dependable YAML in there as well, which also yeah. triggers GitHub action. What are your thoughts on that? I, I need to. I have to check. In, we're using GitLab, but I, I think no. I think you can only have one pipeline, but of course you can have many jobs it. And I think you can have like a, a group pipeline that's just the default one. But if you add check in the the GitLab CI YAML file, it's all right. Everything. Yeah. Uh, it's. I haven't seen anybody using two. But I, can I would remember. say, as uh, someone who worked a lot with GitHub Action and CICD. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, it starts simple and then it becomes a little bit complicated. 
yeah. uh, the, the more you grow. And I give you an example. Let's say you have an organization and you want everybody to use the same action. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say to, to how to pull the code, right? Yeah. Yes. So you have to put that action into their the own repo and then reference that from all the other repo. But I mean, yeah. you, you can do it. It's just yeah. like a database trigger. You know, something mm-hmm. happens somewhere and that triggered a chain of events. And debugging that is really not... Like yeah. you, you don't see what's going on. That's what I mean. And so those, mm. those triggers are nice. And let's say you have the documentation of the project inside the repo. And every time somebody uh, changed, you know, add a comma somewhere, yeah, yeah. it they, rebuild the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> and you spend like, depending on the size of the project. And so that, that's why uh, CICD is still like an art form and it's on its own is because tuning those things takes care and time. And I, I think like you... you but um, you you can do like specify the path like if some a file change yeah. in that yeah, repository that. only trigger that pipeline. Yeah. No, yeah. Also, you can do regex on the name of the branches. You know, yeah. quite useful <clears throat> if you want feature testing or those kind of things. It, it's 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 really really flexible. You can do cron uh, to test like every day run the main main branch to see if everything passed or if you have integration. But, but the testing. problem here, like if you want to do all of that, it will be in one file. It will be very cramped and you will yeah. have to do a lot of if thens, like if it's this, if yeah. it's that. Here you just have the separate files which are very simple. And yeah. you have a trigger pair file or you can trigger two files for the same event and do two things. So that that's very nice, I would say. But, and, but, uh, but yeah. you're saying I can actually have like... Uh, different pipeline and if i have my application and i have my docs there i when i push in the changes to master the pipeline yeah. can detect oh by this only document run this pipeline to deploy the documents to the wiki or this yeah. is uh, changes to the prometheus like uh, monitoring okay yeah. run this pipeline to apply that yeah exactly. I, I think that's one of the reason why um i say like yeah it, honestly i like it it's super flexible it allows you to do whatever you want but i'm i'm missing some kind of master file like hey this uh, is all the, event, <laughs> all the events and all the things that are going to get triggered and mm. you know you understand what i mean like mm. oh. I, I would i would have loved to decouple the events from the pipeline because mm-hmm. it, nothing prevents you, and it happens to me. I create another file onto an event, mm. and then I see two pipeline running, and I say, "Why? Oh, right. there was already a pipeline running that." Mm. And so you, it's it's kind of like you have to be quite organized uh, if you you have mm. more than five. I would say, yeah. yeah. But yeah. super powerful, super flexible. So, so, so what you could yeah. do here is you could have one file managed by your platform team, what have you that delivers the pipeline that would bring your changes. It would be very minimal. They, they will update yeah. it. You might put some configuration on there. But then as a developer, <laughs> if you want to do more within that repository, you can drop a second file and have that one running. Yeah. <laughs> no? Julian is agree. Yeah. No, no, no. You, you, you can, like, you're free to do as complicated or as simple as you want. Like, uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not here to do... I, I, I've been here long enough to know, like, sometimes the weirdest thing even they work, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's not, it's not a judgment. It's more like the, the, how do you test your pipeline locally? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You understand? Like how, so, sometimes I feel like we, we cannot even run things on our own computer or laptop right. because the, the thing required to be connected or run in a specific environment. No, I'm not saying it's bad. I feel like, I mean, it takes a long time to to run a pipeline, even if it's 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Well, it's probably just one or two seconds on, on my laptop. Okay, Mr. I didn't want to bring that up, yeah, but I, I will now. <laughs> so with, I still have two other things I wanted to mention about the uh, GitHub actions, and I will, but we will do a detour. And uh, as I said, moving from Jenkins to GitHub actions, actually moving very quick for the reason, I, I think I, I might write an article about that, but I saw people mentioning the same concept, so I'm not the first one. So idea is this. You have your steps, like you have your Docker build step. Yep. You have your Terraform step, what have you. Uh, you have your, I don't know, Lean step. And then what usually people would do, they would just put the shell script into the YAML file with your pipeline, whatever they have. Yeah. And this is how the pipeline looks like. And then you kind of depend on your CI orchestrator. Because if you're changing one CI orchestrator, you need to rewrite all of that. Yeah. So what I think people should be doing is they should be using something that we call CI step images. So like you take all your Docker build logic, you put yeah. that in the shell script and you put that into the image and that yeah. image is responsible for building your Docker. Yes. It would assume that your directory structure is similar across mm-hmm. the repositories. And then you can pass additional configuration if you need to as environment variables. But yeah. basically, you would give a repository and you just run that image and it knows what to do yeah. by default. Yeah. It has all its logic inside it. And that's why when you change CI orchestrator, you don't care because you no. take your logic with you. Yeah, it's already exactly. that image. You just need to find a way to run those images. Uh, and that's very helpful. But one thing that we did wrong back in the days is like when we just started to implement uh, a play with uh, step images is that we used orchestrator to pass options to CI step image. So for instance, you would have a Yant user pipeline YAML in his repository. He's calling your shared pipeline or the workflow. And then he would try to pass all the variables he can to each step, which means that your master pipeline, your shared workflow needs to know about all those steps, all yeah, the possible yeah, variables yeah. you need to pass through. And that's a hassle. And I think that's the wrong way to go. So now we're actually like evolving that idea. So because you have a known layout in the repository and like, for instance, you're building Docker, right? And your dog, and you will, your CI step image will know where your Docker files are. So we yeah. will just leave a file in there yeah. with the environment variables that it needs to set before it starts to build. And so it will configure itself. This yeah. way, we actually decouple ourselves completely from orchestrator. And orchestrator is only, or your CI/CD system, that's why I'm calling orchestrator, is only concerned about putting one step after another, making sure they're happening, retriggering all this shit. But the configuration of actual steps is completely decoupled and you can technically jump from one CI CD system to another very easily. Yeah, and, and you and can it run... also gives you a possibility to run it locally. Yeah, exactly. 
that's the key. So, I think that's the most. And we have the same thing at, at where I am now because we have this platform and we have all the tools inside there. So then yeah. you know the version, they're working. You can test them. It's not. It doesn't matter which version of uh, Runner or GitLab they're running on Docker version. If the Docker starts, all the tools are there. The structure is is also the same. Uh, yeah. It's uh, right. yeah. It's the same. With, do you remember Terraform when Terraform was young and it was a lot of version and it was breaking. Yeah. I mean, in running Terraform outside Docker was a hassle because the version was all mixed up. Uh, this is uh, this is a great step for. Yeah, but let's finish with, uh, well. with yeah. the, those tools that I have for the GitHub Actions. So I mentioned you can put multiple files. Uh, the second one I actually already mentioned in passage. So because you can have multiple pi- files, you can have nonlinear pipelines, right? So when you have only one file, everything should be in a line with the branches, yeah. but then it should start in one place and then join everything in another place. Yeah. Here you could have nonlinear pipelines that like trigger each other or like run in parallel, and then you just control that uh, you can go to the next phase or like you can promote by setting enforcement on the branch level. So that, that's kind of neat. And uh, the third thing is it's actually GitHub Actions themselves because none of other platforms, as far as I'm aware, actually succeeded in building the marketplace of reusable steps. Yes. I know CircleCI tried, so they had this concept of orbs, uh, but like CircleCI was like wrong in many ways. So like, for instance, you could only do public orbs and like, but you as organization don't want to have your shared pipelines public. So that was a way (laughs) of doing shared pipelines in the CircleCI. I don't know if they changed it, but basically the only the way to have them private was to have a dev version that they would delete every 30 days. So you have to republish it. <laughs> and then like if you publish it, it becomes public. So you could also public publish all your secrets if yeah. if you have any in a in a pipeline. But and you could actually get quite a lot of ideas of what's going on from the pipeline definition if you get to see it. So I, I, I think there are some attempts by the GitLab to do something like that, but actually GitHub Action, by proposing the protocol and allowing for people to share, they achieved the same as Jenkins did. So Jenkins had its own store of plugins, but then you would need to put those plugins to your own server and they will be libraries differences and you have no idea what people put in there. Like and then you will have dependencies between plugins, things will break. It, like every upgrade is a pain. So it's a nice one. Yeah. And here yeah. you don't have it because Been you there. have a hosted solution. Hmm. Although, um, have you tried to write your own uh, GitHub action? Like I'm this. A... I, you, I, you I can create, from what I know, you can create either in TypeScript or in a container, a Docker container yeah. or something. Uh, but the API, you, you receive quite a lot of stuff. And mm. I, I read the code of some of them, and I'm like, I, I don't understand half of what it's doing. Right. And there is also the fact that <laughs> um, did your pipeline break because an action got updated and... Mm. 
something change. Uh, yeah, yeah. PPE so, dependencies, like there are no difference here. Don't use yeah, a Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so your, your pipeline becomes a project. And yeah. that's, oh. that's really good because maybe I'm crazy, but I, I avoid any kind of abstraction over the pipeline. Mm. Like my pipeline is code. I, I don't even mm. have configuration as YAML or JSON or whatever. Like right. it's gone. I, mm. I put my configuration in code because the reason is, is that I know how to run that. And mm. I, I don't do, like, for instance, I work in Go. My pipeline mm. is in Go. Like, yeah. I, right. I know how to, to shell out and call, you know, this okay. binary. Your, your, your pipeline is makefile. <laughs> not even close. No, I, especially not makefile. Makefile, it's... Oh, makefile. Make. It's too abstract. It's too abstract. I I never understand. And everybody has their own little feature that you you Mm. need the the C toolchain. Like, what is that? I'm I'm not uh, I'm not a big fan of Mark Makefile. And I think every other tool that tries to come up with their own, you know, syntax over that is is just Mm. plain wrong. Because my like you writing a process, I'm pretty sure programming language can do that. And mm-hmm. also, you don't need the context change. Like, how many times have I wondered why this pipeline doesn't work while well, it's actually a typo in the the thing? Or, you know, we went from uh, writing Bash in Groovy with Jenkins to writing Bash in YAML with yeah. Jenkins. Like, how is that an improvement? Uh, uh, yeah. for, for, from yeah. the developer experience. Now, it, it's probably better because, as you say, you can reuse. It, it doesn't let you do too many things. Uh, but there are some stuff. It's like now, now I'm 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 tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. One thing to mention here is yes, there are those amazing GitHub actions available built by someone. Yeah, but there is no difference with you know pulling someone else Docker container and exactly. someone else GitHub action. You have no idea what's in there unless yeah. you go and check the code, and there is no guarantee it will change. Yeah. So, or, or, because or like, might, yeah, or, yeah, or like public as well. Just like Amazon has yeah. their, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so they're public, like, and also they did an amazing job with uh, editor. So if, if you edit your pipeline online, it would set, it would tell you where mistakes are, what it could wow. put in the steps in there. So that, that, that's very handy. So th- I think they did a good job with GitHub Actions. There are surprises. Like it's not without surprises. So for instance, when you do the shared workflows, like one workflow can call another and so on yeah. and so on, you could only have three levels. Okay. You cannot mm. go deeper than three levels. Okay. Like yeah. I run into that. Had to, you know, squash some stuff, but I think it's not the bad. And then you can have twenty jobs in total. Like like all the workflows you call, you can have twenty jobs within them and otherwise it's stops to work it says too many jobs oops drop something and uh i think it's not that bad but i i haven't seen documentation about the 20 limit but i saw a lot of angry people commenting on that <laughs> on the internet like what is this i run into that just search for 20 in github source code and you will find that uh, limit yeah. there. It, it it really reminds me azure like in azure there are also a lot of weird limits on the length of something. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> There's always a limit. And yeah. 
sometimes you never find it. And when you do, you know, it's well, usually good experience. Maybe I should say it like that. So there are a lot of limits that you run into. Like there might be a limit, but you never reach it. Yeah. Right. And then it doesn't like distract you. But there are like very limits that are unreasonable, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those are my three things and a little bit of evolution of the CI C D tools. There are obviously a lot of others like outliers. So you could have Concourse CI, which was very interesting. I'm I'm not sure if they're still alive. But those are like the big ones that pretty much seventy, eighty percent of people using. The, like the good thing about GitHub Action is that so, suddenly it unlocks uh, with a hosted w- worker. Like you can host your own workers, yeah. Yeah. and some of them are much cheaper than uh, you know GitHub Action, especially for everything uh, mobile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like it, it's uh, it, yes. it's it's like an order of magnitude cheaper. Uh, how, how does it work with workers? Do you host your own, or you host them? You buy them from yeah. them, or no, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you connect. You connect. You have a token that you need yeah, to register, okay. uh, so that it can communicate. It needs to be um, open to the internet. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's one uh, thing. I, th- I think it works a little bit different. So it's an outgoing connection from your worker. So your worker goes registers itself. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. You could have two systems, right? So you could have uh, your CI server reach out to the worker and then it needs connection to the worker and the worker yeah. needs to be accessed accessible from the internet here you only need egress which yeah, means yeah. that the worker yeah. will go and reach out to the and open the connection and keep yeah. the connection going with the server that's much better yeah that's that's my understanding again might be wrong but uh, i think that's a better way of doing it right you can compare yeah. that with ssh right like you have a server you have ssh so don't expose your SSR to the internet, have it behind <laughs> VPN at least. And then you could have something like SSM, like it's a systems manager in Amazon, yeah. where you have SSM agent, which opens connection to Amazon, and you tell, tell Amazon, I, I want to go and connect to that instance. And that would open a tunnel for you from your yeah. laptop through Amazon to that machine. And that machine doesn't need to be exposed to the internet because it communicates to Amazon and knows when to open the tab. Yeah, Yeah, there is a a few projects like that where they they allow you to create a short-lived secure connection. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One of them is uh, Tailscale. There is Bird. It's like a wire guard tunnel but like short live. And so the, the whole challenge is actually how do you exchange the keys? Actually, and, uh, I'm, I'm working with Hashcop Boundary now, now yeah, uh, with Vault. So it's nice. Yeah, so you, you, you open a connection, it opens the port, and then it actually create a service account in my Kubernetes cluster and pass them along uh, as yeah. well. So it's... Uh, I think for, for security, the, like the build machine has always been... It's uh, always been the issue. The, the, the but, challenge yeah. is what you don't have, as far as I'm aware, is like where the Jenkins excels. You have, for instance, ECS plugin, and you can get ephemeral workers in your VPC. Mm-hmm. So it will yeah. provision the workers for you. You don't need them. Yeah. It will kill it. And you have elastic cost. With yeah. GitHub Actions, nothing of that sort. So you actually have to keep them up and running, those workers and connected to the server and the challenge mm. here is that you get accumulation of goo on those 
because you would have the logs left, you would have some Docker images laying around, so you need to take care of those uh, workers. And I think with the ephemeral ones, it's done, you discard it, you need to build again, you get a new one, clean one, right? So like with those, you would need to do a little bit of maintenance, like back in 15 years ago. Yeah, there's also the the caching problem. Like if you if you yeah. your program takes a while to compile, or if you have like yeah. big assets, uh, you, you would be happy with some caching, you know. And, and of course, if the cache is uh, poisoned, well, yeah. That's the, another another thing is that yeah. I noticed on GitHub Actions, I think maybe it's the drives they use. Like the workers we get, they're not very big, like and. But the processors that used to take like 10 minutes now take two. And I don't know how to how they do it. And we have mm. the, like in Jenkins workers bigger than their machines. <laughs> but somehow GitHub actions are faster. And yeah. I have no idea what's going on there. But the, the matter of fact, it is actually quite fast. So maybe they cool. have a better network connectivity so they can able to pull dependencies faster when you bail. Maybe there are like super fast drives. I don't know, but uh, mm-hmm. something some, some, they do something right in there. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, but and, it's, and uh, I think yeah. that's why it's uh, you know you, you're happy to pay for a hosted service so that you don't yeah. have to go and optimize the drive and all those little things that would probably take a while to yeah. To get. Basically, it's actually one of the things like if you have uh, if you use managed tools from your cloud provider. So take AWS, for instance. If you use ECS as yeah. your container orchestrator or Lambda or EC2, what have you, as your compute platform, you could manage all of them through calling through calls over HTTP to publicly available endpoints through the IAM authentication. If you host something on your own, like, or even if you man- use managed Kubernetes, yeah. what you have there is your control API that will be private. I don't think you would expose your uh, management API for Kubernetes to the internet so people would poke into it. But here you have a challenge because you cannot call it from your yeah. GitHub, uh, GitLab, GitHub, GitLab managed worker. It's on your VPC. So yeah. you need to have either private connection to there or you need a worker inside your VPC. Yes. Or like if you have Vault, the same type of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. that's where it's actually nice when you stick with a, with a cloud provider stuff and you don't host stuff on your own because then you don't have those additional APIs to call uh, and, and points to protect and lo- audit logs to look at. Yeah. Nice that's all collecting. Yeah, yeah. there's also oh. this, uh, if you, you talk about the GitHub Action, there's this nice project called ACT, A-C-T. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. It allows you to run your GitHub action locally. It's uh-huh. ah. it's mostly working. I mean, for my use case, it, it didn't because it was a complex C project. Uh-huh. But uh, I would say for most stuff, it would work. Yeah, I will. I will look into that. I think. And, th- well, th- yeah, that's always yeah. always issue. I think with build that you can't really test the full chain on your on your own. You need to chunk mm-hmm. it and run different commands, and then when you combine them, it's not always the same, and then you find problems. I mean, and that's uh, why my pipeline need code because I can test my code. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I, <laughs> it's, it's just for when you have like 
quite a big, you know, code base and you have complex use case and those kind of things. But that's just what I work with. Uh, so uh, yeah. it, sometimes uh, it's no choice. Final thing to mention here is the fact that if you talk about connecting the your managed workers, and there is a risk, right? So you have managed yeah. worker, and if you share something with that worker, if your CI/CD provider gets hacked, like Circle CI, mm. for instance, Ooh, yeah. then then you're in trouble. And uh, some of them they don't have a way for you to obtain the temporary credentials, so you would need to have a static keys shared with your CI CD or like some other type of static secret shared with a CI CD. And if CI CD gets hacked, the keys are leaked and you're, yeah. you're in trouble. You need to do all the forensic investigation, make sure that they wasn't used, blah, 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 blah. So like GitLab and GitHub, they're big enough. So they have a partnership with Amazon, for instance, and they provide you with a way to obtain the temporary token via the OIDC. Ah, so nice. you will have a GitHub coming to Amazon saying like, that's me, GitHub worker. I'm for this repository, for that branch. And yeah. you're in, I am in a trust role. You could say yeah. you only, only OIDC token who comes from that repository, from that branch can assume that role. So you could yeah. have a separate role for production, for instance, and separate role for everything else. And, uh, on this then, workload identity, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> so it's basically SAML as far as I understand. And yeah. So, so they have a SAML authorization and then they get a temporary keys to for you to use in, with that workload that's uh, very short-lived. So even if something exposed, then they don't have them for as long comparing to static keys. Yeah. Cool. Great summary. So, uh, where do you have your own stuff? Me, Julian. Yeah, Julian can start. He has everything in code. Where do you store your own uh, repos and uh, what pipeline do you use for for your own private stuff? Right now, I'm working with Perforce, so it's not Git. Yeah, but uh, it's like you 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 have different tooling and everything, and it is. I would do the same. Like when I, even when I, I work with GitHub and whatnot, it's more like my GitHub action is just like call this pipeline, and, yeah. I, and I had a uh, flag that says like run this code with a dash pr or dash main or okay. you know, like dash yeah. and and that's it. I, I didn't have to change my GitHub action ever uh, mm-hmm. unless there is a new one coming, and it, it was fairly easy to to troubleshoot. I would yeah. say. Andre, right. where do you have your company's stuff? GitHub and GitHub Actions now? Or? Uh, for for 5XL, we use GitHub. Yeah. And yeah. Like everything that goes with GitHub for customers are different from customer yeah, to customer. Yeah. I'm, I'm tracking in GitHub. But... stuff is also on GitHub. So. Yeah. Uh, also on uh, GitHub, of course. I used Bitbucket. You, know, you remember when they bought GitHub? I moved everything to Bitbucket, but then like, nah, it doesn't work. So now I moved everything back to GitHub. And then oh, I actually has a, a small, small cluster with the Tektron to, to, to build. Uh-huh. Yeah. There is plenty of uh, little one I know about Giti or Gitea. Yeah, yeah, Gitea. You can uh, host your own. Uh, yeah. there, there is another one uh, on the, the service called Codeberg, mm-hmm. which is called for Jero. Uh, mm-hmm. 
and they they, they kind of all look the same with very minor. So you, you can have your own hosted GitHub yeah. uh, with uh-huh. free open source now and runners as yeah. well. Like uh, so, it, it's it's not only GitLab, GitHub, and Bitbucket. No, it's, no. it's like you you have choices now. Yeah, but do but do you have time to you know? Yeah, exactly. To dig into those and like deal with all of those particularities. Exactly. So it's very much depend on your how much time you have and knowledge. Yeah, getting builders to perform as developers expect is it's not an easy because, task. Because like if if it would be back like in twelve two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, where the only platforms start to emerge. Yeah. And then you do the technology best, like, well, should I go here? Should I go there? Should I host my own? Now we are on a commodity level. It's kind of yeah. clear you have big players. You can just yeah. have that as a commodity and then focus on something else that makes much more sense because I don't really see uh, a point in spending time trying to innovate much around version control system because it's like it's git everywhere and especially if you need something like a portability if you need to test on multiple platform and multiple architecture like you know arm windows linux mac 64 32 bits and those kind of things and oh ios and android mm. and all those things is like the, the amount of platform we have to support now is just it, Come be an explosion of things, and you know, software cannot even keep up with the amount of platform there is. Uh, so yeah. it, it's quite, uh, yeah. Do, do what works for your platform. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. All right. That's a, that's a long one this time. Yeah, long time, but a, a lot of interesting uh, information. And, and yes. Okay. Yep. But with that, thanks for tuning in, and I uh, hear hear you soon again. See, see each other next time. You have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias Andre and Julian. For more podcast and notes, go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.